0: You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. All right. well good morning. Um, In the few minutes we have together, I just want to share with you something that the Lord put on my heart, but before we do that, I want to just start off um, with a joke I heard from my my good friend Joel Osteen. Um, Yeah, I love Joel. We're buddies. We talk once or twice a week. He does most of the talking. I do a lot of the listening. Um, And so... Uh, somebody's car is going off in the parking lot, if that's you. Uh, hopefully, it's not getting busted into right now. All right. Um, everybody's reaching for their keys, pushing buttons. Maybe that's Jesus coming back. Y'all ready? All right. Okay. Jump. Give him a little bit of help. Um. <laughs> oh, you got to love it. All right. It stopped. All right. There we go. We're safe. All right. <laughs> still here this is a great this is a great joke if you heard it don't don't ruin don't ruin the punchline for somebody okay don't ruin the punchline there were these three sons who grew up and became very prosperous and very wealthy and they all got together and they were talking and they're saying hey we want to bless our dear elderly mom and so the first son said you know what i'm going to do is i'm going to build mom a beautiful new house i'm going to build her a beautiful house the second son said, that's great, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and get mom, I'm going to get mom the, the nicest car, I'm going to buy mom the nicest car. Third son said, well, oh yeah, this, that's, those are excellent guys, but I know how much mom loves the word of God, but she can't see very well anymore, she can't read the Bible anymore, so I'm going to get her a parrot that has learned the entirety of the Bible, that can recite to her the Bible just whenever she wants to hear it, and they're like, yes, they all high-five, great idea, guys. And they went about and did what they wanted to do for their mom. A few months later, the mom calls the boys and calls the first son and said, Milton, the house that you bought me, it was too big. It was too big. Gerald, the car you got me was too small. But Donald, your gift was great. That chicken you got me was delicious. <laughs> if you didn't like it, blame Joel. All right. This makes us smile. That's good. Last week, I spoke on faith, and uh, I, I wasn't intending to turn this into any kind of series, and it won't become a series, but there is something else I want to share with you this morning concerning faith that I see when we read God's Word, a prayer specifically that Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus concerning faith growing in us. And this morning, I want to talk to you about being strengthened by faith, okay? Strengthened by faith. And probably more specifically, sometimes titles distract us from the full intent of what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. But I want to I speak to you about how God's design concerning faith is to build the identity of the love of Christ in us. And Paul talks about this happening by faith, and this faith strengthens us, but it, it, it centers around this idea... Of the identity of the love of Christ being built in us in a way that maybe some of us have never heard before. In a way that's actually very transformational. And what I love about uh, Paul, and it's not Paul who's speaking here, but the Holy Spirit speaking through Paul. What I love about this is that as opposed to times that authors in the Bible are inspired to write, Paul here prays. And he's praying through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the faithful and great intercessor for us. And what is happening here as this prayer is being lifted is that there is a multiplication of things taking place that exceed just simply writing down words or explaining a principle or a process And it's important for us to understand that when we come into a prayer that we read in the Scripture, that there's something that the Holy Spirit is trying to transfer to us that we have to come to by faith so that we can get the magnitude of what is being spoken to us, what God is attempting to speak to us. And here we read, we're going to read in just a minute in Ephesians chapter 3, this beautiful prayer that the Holy Spirit is praying for all believers That we might understand something, something that exceeds just our personal experiences in our life that comes and precedes us from the very point of creation and goes ultimately to the fulfillment of all things. And so that understanding of the idea of the love of Christ has to be supernaturally imprinted into us. We've got to begin to get a hold of that by faith. And this is the type of faith that strengthens us. Jesus talked a little bit about faith, and here's a couple of foundational things. Many of you might know this. Some here may have never heard this before, but our faith grows. Our faith grows. As a matter of fact, Jesus talked about faith, gave the illustration of faith being like a mustard seed, one of the smallest seeds in all of creation. And he said that when this seed is planted into the soil of God's goodness... Oftentimes, soil is referred to as a condition of our heart, but as it pertains to faith, it concerns the nature of God. See, we're not planting faith into the soil of what we understand. We're planting faith into the soil of who God is. See, because just as a natural seed goes into the ground and takes root, that seed doesn't have within itself the ability to spring forth into something and produce fruit. It pulls its nutrients out of the ground of the soil. And if any one of us were to take a faith, a promise, anything that God has given us prophetically through the word, through anything that we've received, and try to plant it in our own ability to understand, we would fall short. But Jesus is saying here when he's talking about the mustard seed that it has the ability to grow into one of the most beautiful bushes in the sense of being able to give shade to many birds. And so our faith is intended to grow. It's intended to be planted into something and intended to be, intended to grow. Faith is not just about understanding God's promises for us. We cannot approach faith just from the place of looking at promises as individual things that we get. But rather, faith is understanding that God is for us. When we understand that God is for us, then we can comprehend every promise that He has given us. But if you do not understand that God is for you, coming to the promises of God will be difficult. You will wrestle with them. You will navigate them in the experiences of your life. You will weigh them out to, whether, to find out whether or not you are deserving to receive them. And none of that is applicable to faith. Faith brings us to the place of understanding that God is for us. That is the soil of God's nature. And when that begins to shape the identity in us, then we can receive every promise that He has given us freely. And so we see this the way that Jesus talked about it. And in reality, what He's bringing us to is this understanding that faith should shape an identity within us. And so when we look In the book of Ephesians, today we're going to look, and I'm going to focus on just one particular passage. I'm going to read the whole prayer, but I want to spend time on just one particular verse to get in us the idea of how faith strengthens us through understanding the identity of the love of Christ. And so as we read this, let's just set our hearts in this place of being ready to receive from the Holy Spirit everything that He is intending through His Word. Alright, open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 16. We're going to read down through 21. And as we read this, there's a couple of things that I want you to pay attention to. Not only does faith produce an understanding of the depth Of the love of Christ in us. It has the ability to renew identity within us. It has the ability to renew identity in us. And that's super important. And we're going to talk about that. But then it goes even further than that. As it transforms us into the full measure of God. Into the full measure of God. That's a huge idea. That's a big thing. That's not something that immediately we step into and we fully understand. It, it requires us to walk with God daily. It's this beautiful journey that we're called into as we understand God's pleasure, as we understand His thought, as, thoughts, as we understand His love, that we actually begin to walk in the way that Jesus taught us to pray, that your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Now, listen, I'm not a big fan of just randomly throwing phrases, Christianese phrases around. But this is something that we've got to settle in our hearts that God desires to make the full view of heaven alive in us. And we should never settle for anything less. We should never settle for halfway. We should never settle for mediocrity. We should never settle for anything less than what the full view of heaven is. Ephesians 3, 16-21, I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through, through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in this love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the full, to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So, when we talk about faith that actually creates identity in us, creates and builds in us the identity of the love of Christ that that comes and happens in us, we have to kind of take a step back. Because here, just a little bit of context, Paul is writing to a church that is comprised of a diverse group of people. And I'm not trying to give you extra Bible knowledge that you don't need to understand, but I'm trying to bring this into the context of why the Holy Spirit chose to to write a prayer out through Paul for every one of us. Because the church in Ephesus was made up of Jews who became Christians, and then it was also made up of people that the Bible calls Gentiles, or you may read in your scripture from time to time, pagans. That doesn't mean that they were bad people. It means that they didn't have a history with Yahweh, with God, the God that... The Jews knew. The God that we read about in the Old Testament. And why is this important? Because Paul is bringing us to the understanding that in order for the identity of the love of Christ to be formed in us through faith, we have to know the very nature of God Himself. Now for a Jew, that was partially understandable because they had a history that was passed down to them. The God who parted the Red Sea, the God who held, had them cross over the Jordan, the God who defeated their enemies, the God who performed miraculous things at Horeb, and on and on and it goes. And so they had a bit of history that gave them a glimpse at the nature of God. But for those who were coming into faith without this understanding, they needed to be rooted in something bigger. They needed to be rooted in something greater. Let me explain it like this. My five children that I have, um, I, I, I love them immensely. I say this all the time. It's kicking a dead horse, okay? So... And they always kind of duck under the chairs when I start talking about them. But here's the thing, is that I can give them every promise of anything. Matter of fact, I've got one promise looming over my son right now. It's a car. Ooh. Oh, yeah, right? Anybody, you guys remember those days, right? A car is a-coming, all right? Oh, what do I got to do? What hoops do I got to jump through, right? But here's what I want all of my children to understand. And parents, you're going to lock into this immediately, is that in spite of the promises that are given, there has to be under, something understood about the very nature of who you are as a, as a father or a mother that you want to impose upon them. I am not getting a car for my son. I'm just kidding. I, I, I'm just joking, man. I, I am not getting a car for my son because it is what he necessarily deserves. I'm not getting a car for my son because he's 17 and this is when it happens. I'm getting a car for my son because I love my son. Because my heart is for my son. And see, you understand something is that there has to be something transposed from the heart of the Father that exceeds every one of his promises. And so Paul is bringing us into full view. And in order to understand how the the identity of the love of Christ is formed in us, we've got to step back and we've got to maybe look at original intent a little bit. We've got to go back to the beginning and kind of get a glimpse as to why God created man, the purpose for our existence, and why you are on this earth at this time. I know this feels like a big thing, but it's actually very simple. Because when we look at the story in Genesis 1 and 2, and we begin to look at why God created man, we see something of the very nature of God that allows His thoughts and His nature to be imposed upon us. We understand His intent. We understand who He is. Why did God create man? Well, He created man to be like Him, didn't He? He created man to be like Him. As a matter of fact, the Scripture tells us in Genesis 1 and 2 that after God created the majesties of heaven and earth and He created all the animals, He looked around and He said, Listen, the Trinity spoke to themselves and said, we need to create something in our image. We need to create someone who is able to respond to us, that is able to hear us. And so He created Adam. He created Eve. Out of every person born of a woman, that's everybody, is the ability to hear God. Why? It is what He has intently put in us, as part of his nature and his desire for us to understand about himself. God wants you to hear him. He wants you to hear him speak. He wants you to see him through his word. He wants you to feel him. He wants you to be close to him. He wants to have relationship with you. Why is that important when it comes to identity? Because for some of us it contradicts The identity that maybe we receive from a biological father. From the nature of what's corrupt. And so in order to even even touch on the topic of identity being formed in us, the love of God being formed in in us, we've got to know the nature of the father. And from the very beginning, we see a God who desires to be with us. He created us in his image. So that we could know his thoughts and we could respond to his thoughts. That says something about the goodness of God. We also see that man was created for his pleasure. It wasn't just about being close, but it was about understanding that how much the Father delights in us. See, God looked at Adam and said, look, all this that I've created is for you. Stop. Don't let that pass over your heads, please. Don't just let that be part of the creation story, but stop and think about the nature of the Father for just a second. God didn't have to do that. God did not have to put us on this earth and turn over the very being of earth and say, this is for your pleasure, but He did. He did. What does that say about our Heavenly Father? What does that speak about His heart? That God is for you. That God is for you. That God is for you. That God does not delight in punishing you. God is not angry at you. God is not mad at you. But God intently and originally and inherently is for you. He delights. Listen, and I'm not talking there is a distance between our revelation of happiness and God's idea of happiness. But God delights in your joy. He delights in your joy. It pleases His heart heart when He sees His sons and daughters joyful. But not only it doesn't just stop there, but God did something further. is that He made us co-heirs with Him. And we see this from the very beginning, from the very start. That He looked at Adam and said, look, I can speak to you and I want to speak to you and I want to be close uh, to you and I want to walk with you and I want you to hear my heart and I want to hear your heart. And all this here, I want you to enjoy it and I want it to be here for your pleasure. But then he looked at Adam and he said, I'm going to give you a job. I'm going to give you a job. But this wasn't a job that was miserable. This wasn't a job that was, uh, was Adam hit begrudgingly. This was a job that gave Adam purpose. God made us with purpose. He made us with purpose to live in a place of fulfillment. And all of these things speak about the very nature of God that allow us to begin to trust Him by faith to have His love be formed in us as our identity. See, when we come to God and we believe God, this is who God is, that he made us to be close to him, that he made us for his pleasure, and he made us to experience and be in a place of joy, and that he's placed in us through his plans, through his will, through his purposes as we walk in obedience, the idea of fulfillment, it begins to shape something in us that allows us to trust him. And so as Paul is praying here, he's pushing us all into this history with God. And he's saying, I want you to be woke up to this truth. That this is the God who loves you. That this is the God who formed you and wants to know you. That this and this God alone can put purpose and fulfillment in you. I pray that you would be woke up to this. And then he goes on and says, and I don't want you just to be woke up to this so that you see it and can agree with it up here. What I want to happen is for it to be rooted and grounded in your heart. I want it to form something in you. I want it to form something in you. And so I want to take a look here just at verse 17. Verse 17. Of this prayer in Ephesians 3. These two words, rooted and grounded. Rooted and grounded, okay? These words aren't simple words, these words are powerful words that tell us how the identity of the love of Christ is put in us and how we approach it by faith. So, what does it mean to be rooted in the love of Christ? First off, this word is only used twice in the New Testament. And it's a word unique to the understanding of knowing Christ's love in us. It means to take root and to establish in us, to establish in us. Just like natural roots that go down into the ground and they reach in and they pull out the nutrients of soil from the soil. They establish strength, they fortify, they protect even when things stop blossoming or blooming or producing fruit the root system's still there so that in the next season they can spring up into life the love of christ begins to form an identity in us that takes root and here's what this word means for us is it means this is that when the love of christ takes root in us it has the ability to break the power of past identity It has the ability to break the power of past identity. See, God understands that we live in a contradiction. That in this world, we live in a bit of a contradiction. After sin came in, man wrestled, and we wrestle today with understanding the purposes of God in comparison to the pattern of this world. And God understood that. And He didn't want to just lob things over us to constantly be correcting us so that we could teeter in this place of not understanding the full measure of what His love can produce in us. And so what He did was this, is that He rooted His love in us so that the things of the past could be uprooted. So that the identity of the past could be uprooted. So that you did not have to base... The nature of your relationship with God off of the experiences of your life, whether they were ugly or decent or positive, but that you could have a fresh experience understanding the love of Christ that comes by knowing the nature of the good Father Himself. And for every one of us, the thing, in order for the identity of the love of Christ to be rooted in us. The Holy Spirit has to root out those things of the past that we've been pulling from that are producing things that we are being led by negative things. Garbage, junk, stuff that we're pulling from that is not producing life. In every one of our lives, there, there, there are things that maybe we've attached to that are not producing life. And when we come into the full understanding of the love of Christ, The Holy Spirit begins to uproot those things. Being rooted in the love of Christ also speaks to this idea. It establishes a very powerful connection for our relationship with God. That we truly begin to understand what was spoken of Jesus at his birth that he is Emmanuel, that he is the God who is near to us, that he is the God who is in us. And when we are rooted in the love of Christ, what is happening is that we are engaging in a type of relationship that is dependent upon the knowledge that Jesus is close to us. I don't think there's a more beautiful thing that we can ever begin to really engage and come to by faith and ask the Holy Spirit to make alive in us than the understanding that Jesus is near to us, that Jesus is close to us, that He is the God who desires for us to know Him and to be known by us. And it also shows this. Rooted shows us that when we are rooted in the love of Christ that this is something that is immovable, unshakable. It is the immovable and unshakable power of the love of Christ. Now listen to this in Romans 8.28. This is what Paul writes. He says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. As the Holy Spirit begins to form the identity of the love of Christ in us, as we take a step of faith toward that, as we ask the Holy Spirit to make that alive in us, as we are rooted in that, we get attached to the immovable, unshakable power of Jesus Christ. Paul said it best. He came to a place in his life where he uttered these words and he said, I'm convinced. What is Paul convinced of? What is he unswerving on? What is he standing on? What is his foundation? It is the truth that he is rooted in the love of Christ. And that no matter what hits his doorstep, no matter what comes his way, it does not shake the truth of who God is. It does not shake the truth of the good Father, the God who wants to be close to him, the God who has renewed his life. And if anybody has the ability to say this, it's Paul, isn't it? Because here we see a guy who who God had to kick off a donkey, had to put him on his bottom, and had to begin to form something new in him. And we read about it throughout his epistles. Come on, guys, stay with me here. And that we read about it through his epistles, and he goes back and he dips into this idea for the very purpose of us understanding the nature of the identity of the love of Christ. He dips in and out of it, and he said, if anybody deserves to be persecuted, if anybody deserves not to receive the love of God, it's me. Because I know what I did in my past. I know how I hated the Christians. I know how I persecuted them and put them to death. I know what I did. But grace be to God who brings us all into new life. Who says that? What kind of person says that? Somebody who's had their heart, the identity of who they are, rooted in the love of Christ by faith. He walked in it. And see, there's something to this idea of being rooted that, that forms something in us that is powerful. And that's why Paul goes on and prays in Ephesians chapter 3 that when we understand this, that we begin to come into the full, me- the full power of understanding what God has for us. That we actually go and we begin to acquire a knowledge that, that exceeds our understanding of what we see so that we can come into the full measure Of God Himself. What a powerful thought. And all this stems as we begin to set our faith firmly into the very nature of the goodness of our good Father God. And we begin to say, Holy Spirit, please root and ground the love of Christ in me. What does it mean to be grounded? This word takes another shape. And again, it's, it's, it's one of the very few words in the New Testament that's not used very often. And there's one time it's used exactly in a parable that Jesus taught in Matthew 7. Because the idea of being grounded is a firm foundation on which the Holy Spirit can build upon. See, because here's the simple truth, and this is why the Holy Spirit chose to use these words through Paul, that you would be rooted and grounded. It's because until you understand, you can't build upon it. Until you understand, you can't build upon it. You can't live it out. You can't walk it out. You can't see the blessings of God lived out in your life. This is the parable that Jesus taught in Matthew seven twenty four through 27 he said, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Justin, come on up, man. See, a lot of times when we read this, don't we put the work into our hands? Jesus is talking about building. We look at that sometimes and we misread it. We fail to see the context of what Jesus is talking about here. And we go and we say, look, it's my job, isn't it? It's my job to build off of the the promise and the truth of the Word of God. It's my job. If something happened in my life, it's my fault. Some of us approach it like that, don't we? We put the work into our hands, but what what if Jesus is saying here this? What if this principle about the builder is just a simple invitation to look at the foundation a little differently? And what if Jesus was saying this? What what if he was saying this, that, that listen, this foundation isn't something that you can put your hand to at all. It's an invitation. It's an invitation to be rooted in my love. It's an invitation to be rooted in the understanding of who I am and who my Father is. And when that's built in you, anything that proceeds out of that place will stand up against any storm of life. You see the difference? See, because sometimes what happens is that when the storms hit and something starts to fall apart in our life, we go, look, what did I do wrong? What did I, God, I didn't, I didn't handle your promise right. Or, 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 And we begin to go, what, what? And our head spins. But in reality, here's what the Holy Spirit is saying. He's saying, look, get back to the foundation of my love. Let the very nature of my Father be built in you. Understand that he chose you for this moment. That you're not here wandering about by yourself, aimlessly set out on this earth. But you're here for something. And you're here so that I can speak to you. You're here that you can understand my pleasure in you. And you're here in this moment to receive the fulfillment of the things I have called you to. And if you build off of that, no matter what comes, it does not wreck your life. And so when Paul prays this prayer again, he says, listen, you have to be rooted and you have to be grounded. Because from the place of being grounded in the love of Christ, we build things that stand and stand and stand no matter what. It becomes a launching pad for our life. All this has been given to us. Because of God's desire that we would know and have a view of the supernatural power that He's called us to. Supernatural is not just displaying the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Supernatural is when we begin to live our lives in the context of heaven. Supernatural is when we begin to lead our homes in the place That looks like the love of Christ. Supernatural is when we begin to love our spouses in the place. The way that Jesus loved us. Supernatural is when we begin to look at our communities differently. Supernatural is when we begin to believe the Holy Spirit is active and powerful and working. And see, this is what God did. And He understands something. He understands something that is only applicable through the revelation of the love of Christ becoming identity in us. And it's this, is that anything else than full out is going to become mundane and is going to bore you into apathy. (laughs) That we would know the reality of living in a renewed mind. That any time we face a crossroads in our thinking, our understanding, that we would understand that there is a different way. And that God in His goodness, that was displayed firmly through the love of Jesus Christ, asks us to come to Him, to put on the chopping block the old, and to receive from Him the new. And the way that we think, and the way that we approach Him, and the way that we approach the world, That he asks us to begin to step out in this raw, beautiful obedience that proves that we are serving a God who brings us into fulfillment. How do we do this? Three very simple things. First, we have to test the soil, we have to test the soil. Is your perspective of God a little misshaped? Does it need to be reshaped? How do you perceive the Father? Because if you don't perceive Him as somebody that wants to be with you, somebody who delights in you, and somebody has called you to a purpose, your perspective of the Father has to be reshaped. Are you basing it on something that you grew up under? Are you basing it on what you think you deserve? If it's anything less than the beautiful, perfect picture of the goodness of the Father, it has to be reshaped. And we have to come to the Holy Spirit and ask the Holy Spirit to renew that part of our understanding. God, give me, Holy Spirit, show me the goodness and the love of the Father. God, I've got these limitations in my understanding. Will you please remove these things? And plant in me the truth of who God is. As a good father. That indeed he loves me. That indeed he is for me. And that indeed he has called me to things. Greater things than I even understand. Holy Spirit will you begin to condition the soil of my heart. So that it matches the soil of the goodness of the father. So that everything I step out in faith. As I step out and I ask you God. To allow the identity of the love of Christ to be formed in me. That it would take root and that it would be grounded. We have to approach the Word of God differently. We have to approach the Word of God from the perspective and ask the Holy Spirit to show us the beautiful, wonderful identity of the Father for us. How do you read the Word of God? How do you come into the Word of God? You need to be in the Word every day. You need to look at it and you need to ask before you get into the Word. Please, this isn't simple. Uh, This isn't just something that don't let it float over you. Because the Word of God is life, the Word of God is powerful. It's where we learn who God is. And when we come to the word, are we asking the Holy Spirit to begin to form the identity of Christ in us? Are we seeing that? Are we seeing the nature of the goodness of God in us? Because if we would sit down and say, Holy Spirit, begin to implant that nature in me as I read the word, the word will begin to jump off in you and become transformational in you. I promise. I promise. I promise. As we begin to see God's intent from the very beginning all the way to the end manifest in Jesus Christ. As we see this beautiful picture, this beautiful thread that runs through it, that carries with it the very nature of the goodness of the Father and the purpose of the Father to draw men to Himself. That men would know His love. That men would walk in the revelation of this love. That it would be formed in them. And that they would live out this love The word of God becomes powerful. And then finally. Live the truth of the love of God that you know. Begin to let it out of you as an act of obedience. That brings fulfillment. That God gives. Amen. Let's pray. Father this morning I thank you for your word. Holy Spirit that we know it's your desire. In every one of us. To form the very nature of the love of Christ in us. In such a way that it creates identity within every one of us. Holy Spirit, we know in this moment that for some of us here, there is an obstacle. There is a roadblock to that. And Holy Spirit, this is what you do and you do so well is that you destroy those things, that you remove those things In the revelation and the knowledge of who Jesus is. That He came to break those things. That He came to renew and reset our understanding. So that we could know and live in the beautiful love of the Father. And so I pray that right now in this moment, Holy Spirit, that you begin to do that. That you begin to draw us into a place that we can come by faith and understand the full measure of who you are. That we could have the love of Christ truly rooted and grounded inside of us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for that. Do what only you can do inside of us right now, I pray. Amen. Amen. Just stand to your feet. You got to come believing and expecting. Expecting. You have to believe and expect that God is able to do that which he said in his word he can do. I'm going to invite a couple of our ministry teams. Ronnie, Charlotte, y'all come on up. Carl, Marilyn, y'all come on up. All right. This morning, as we close out our service, there's something beautiful about the very nature of God that brings us into an understanding that he desires to pour out himself on us. And so this morning, if you're here and there's anything that you are walking through that you need somebody to agree with you in prayer. Some of you here this morning, there is something specific in your physical body that you are walking through that God wants to set you free from and heal you. And if you will just simply take a position of faith, And say, God, I believe that in the nature of your goodness and who you are, this is what you've done for me. I believe the Lord will touch your body. And if that's you this morning, then you need to make a bold step and you need to come out from your chair when we're done, when I dismiss you. And you need to come up and you need to receive prayer. Maybe this morning there's something that's broken in in your heart. And there's a deep disconnect from understanding the knowledge of the goodness of the Father for whatever reason. But this morning, if I could plead with you for anything, it would be this. Do not leave this place in that way. But come and let us pray for you and with you, alongside you. And ask the Holy Spirit to impart something that begins to transform and heal your heart and bring you into the revelation of the knowledge of the love of the Father, he'll do that for you. He is a good father. I know my father. He is good and he loves you. He will heal you, he will set you free. He will mend your broken-heartedness. That is who my father is. He is good. When I close this thing, if that's you for any reason, please don't leave but come forward and receive ministry. I bless you in the name of Jesus with the grace and the love and the power of Jesus that is above all things. Amen. Amen.